We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Ah, that's me. (laughs) Welcome to WTY We There Yet podcast. I'm here live in my own house with the legend Barry Crimmins. Thank you, Rich. I know it was legend. You clarified it wasn't icon, it was legend. No, not hero. Hero. Oh, not hero. Hero, not a hero. Legend. Well, everybody's a hero these days. You're doing it here, you know. Well, they they just use it to shut people up. They people make they make people into heroes, and then then they kind of claim them for whatever their side of things their are. Cause. And then if you say anything about them, you're going after the. He's, he, they just they use them as human shields. Right. It's for, for like basically in the United States for bad foreign policy. They take these kids, they economically conscript them in the military, and then if you you know. If you question the bad policies that sends these we kids hold up into harmer, yeah, 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 then we, yeah, right, yeah, you know, they're the human shield for bad policies, whereas you're actually questioning the bad policies because you're trying to defend the 18-year-old. Okay. <laughs> so there's my commercial. Uh, that's the opener. Yeah, that's a strong yeah, opener. Yeah, yeah, really bring that, them in. That's right. Bring them in. Now, that's... Barry, just for our listeners out there, uh, there is a documentary with Bobcat Goldthwait directed, shot, yes. uh, Call Me Lucky, which is available on Netflix now. But yeah. You were touring yeah. it around in yeah. 2015. Yeah. And Louis C.K. just, I want to say, Louis C.K. just dropped your special. But yeah. he uh, directed and produced your comedy special. I think he handled it very carefully. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, it will drop. No, I meant, you know. I didn't. <laughs> Being the dumb old guy. Dumb uh, old white guy. Yeah. The yeah. And, and actually, I... I, you know what I don't get is the hater. Everything's a, it's like, what would you think of that record? Well, I didn't particularly care for it. Haters going to hate. Hey, you, I just told you what I thought of a, a, a song. I, you know, I didn't join the, you got me with people with burning crosses all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> right, right. Can there's, we get a little more, you know. There's no spectrum. Yeah, no right. Yeah. yeah. Can it's we just absolute. re-nuance the it's language all ab- a bit? It's all absolutes. Yeah, yeah. Haters gonna hate. Well, not my favorite. You know, listen to haters gonna hate. Well, just my stupid opinion. What fortifies me would assassinate you. That's there's there's no moderately indifference gonna be moderately indifferent. Right, right. (laughs) Uninterested is gonna be uninterested. That's not that exciting. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like forced to answer. You know, just to be. I was just being polite by answering. If I knew, I was gonna be put in. You know, the Third Reich. Right. By you know saying I didn't like it, I would go, oh yeah, that's pretty good, and move along. <laughs> Loved and, it, and then yeah, lovers gonna love. Then, There's no lovers gonna love. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I think that exists, I, right? you know. Right. So, uh, Barry, you actually, I I met you in person mm-hmm. at our dear friend Kevin Meany's uh, post burial funeral. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the cabin, whatever at, they call that thing. What is the the meal after the burial? Yeah, the meal of condolence or something. I don't know, right. but I, there's there's no way, accepted title for that that right. I know of. I mean, right. maybe somebody. Right, I guess it was you know. Family Post is listening. She can. Right, but uh, I had ordered my special needs vegan salad. Ste- oh yeah. Stepped out to get a call, and everyone's looking at me. I'm the weird one at the table having this special. Like, and is there I any dairy? Go in and put and the... you, I come back, and you're sitting there, and I'm like, who's this? You know, like, and everyone's Jim like, Mocha. oh, it's just funny. But you're also a vegetarian, so yeah. you were like, oh, wow, it was a really fast salad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
Can I take you out for a salad afterward? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be somewhere around here. Yeah. Um, so you you knew Kevin and so, everyone yeah. from Boston. So Boston yeah. was like the birthplace yeah. of comedy. You were yeah. basically the 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 doula of uh, yeah, comedy. Yeah, I, I had a lot like... something to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> I do a lot. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the mid the mid husband. Yeah, but. Uh, well, Kevin is such a dear friend, such a just, you know. I mean, we all got hit by a comet last month when he was just gone like that. I mean, it, you know, what a amazing person to remind us of that horrible lesson, how fleeting things are, and, you know, how every minute matters. But, man, you want to talk about someone whose spirit lives on you know he was just right. he just didn't you know he just gave so much of his he left a lot of himself with almost everybody he dealt with right one way or the other <laughs> if he didn't like you he left you with something else but, uh, <laughs> not that often but, right know, right but, uh, he was unforgettable uh, uh, yeah you know tough guy to be with when he was the upset consumer <laughs> <laughs> Set oh, it's just, man, could he make a scene? And right. I'm, and I'm kind of, you know, low profile. Right, right. Just, you're like, like ah, you're yeah. like the, the sort of gray and beige rainbow. Yeah, he is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, fireworks. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. But the funniest guy ever, I mean, absolute first round Hall of Fame comedic talent. Right. And just, you know, dearest person ever. And so kind and empathetic when uh call me lucky debuted at sundance he just showed up and he didn't know how significant he was in the film he hadn't seen it. he didn't know bob got didn't tell him right and i mean if you saw the film you right, know right kevin's a major factor yeah in the movie. yeah he's a great moment and, and so i mean it was one of these things where this guy did this act of kindness went out to support his friend because he knew what the movie was about and he knew i mean basically and and he knew i was going to be kind of in a a spot of sorts not yeah not you know not like nothing i couldn't handle but he just wanted to be there for his friend he shows up and then he's very significant in the film so that was nice but he was just you know like that you know he just shows up in utah on a tuesday to help his friend right so that was uh, right. Well, it was an Kev. intense moment for you. I mean, it's great to be at Sundance, but the subject matter of Call Me yeah, Lucky is yeah. not like no. such a lighthearted like no, like a traditional a, comedian's know, yeah, debut. It's not of like, like a delightful <laughs> British romp or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, they all are. I don't know why they are delightful British romp. It's like you know, <laughs> I wasn't British that romp. I wasn't that delighted. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I was eating your salad, and, and which I, sounds like some sort of euphemism. Right, it sounds like oh, something else after Kevin's post-burial. Yeah, I, I was eating this guy's salad out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, it's totally uh, wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah, His I, vegan salad, which sounds even, yeah. even... Right, right. Well, whatever. You know, apparently he had never shared his salad before. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. I try to, you know, I don't... Again, you kids. You kids. Don't worry, my... When my parents Crazy hear this, they won't us. understand. They'll still be wondering why I'm vegan. They well, won't even hear yeah, what the yeah, implications. Yeah, but I'm, the thing is, I'm probably a couple <laughs> years older than them. Uh, 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Actually, no. I okay. think you have no. My parents are much older than ah, you, good, good. and I'm probably older than you think. So those are the people. Yeah. Those are the people. <laughs> So you started, you were born in, in Skinny Island? Well, Skinny I was born Island? in uh, actually Kingston, New York. In Kingston, New York. right. Kingston, New York. Grew up in Skinny Adelaide. But I grew up in uh, Skinny Adelaide. Uh, Skinny Adelaide. Yeah. And, and, except for a brief period of time when we lived in this, uh, you know, my father got the uh, VA loan and moved into kind of a new, new housing tract uh, in North Syracuse. And I oh. lived there for a while. And... Uh, that's where, uh, uh, you know, a big dramatic turn and Call Me Lucky took place. So that's right. where I was, I mean, you know, there's no need to be uh, uh, coy about it or, you know, why, I, you know, I got raped as a, as a little kid by the babysitter's mother's boyfriend or something, something that in the late 50s you wouldn't even put a label on. Right. You know? Right. Uh, but the live-in man in the house, she, my parents would leave, and then, you know, half hour later, this guy would show up. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was. But, you know, I've uh, uh, done my quote-unquote work, and the main thing that I've done that I think that really helps healing the most is I try to assist others. Right. You know, right. and uh, when you see where other people are at, you pick up, uh, you realize how much ground you've gained, hmm. you know, and so there's a real benefit uh, in there for you. So let's go back to Boston yesterday. About, whenever I'm in Jersey, it reminds me of how I ended up in Boston. My father was in the VA hospital in West Virginia, and he was really sick. It was touch and go. Then he pulled through. He was going to be fine. And I'm a kid, and I, and I hitchhiked down there, and I hitchhike, and I think I'm going to come back to New York City from West Virginia. I'm going to go to New York City to see if I can get out at the Improv or Catch or whatever. How old are you at this point? I'm 25. I've okay. been around the country doing comedy well before that, but you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to. I, I had just done this. Uh, several you know months of shows weekly shows in my hometown at Scantlis and that's where Goldthwaite and Tommy Kenny uh showed up when they were still in high school and they were wow. hilarious you know I mean wow. they're these trenchant observers who were also worried about prom dates <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they were very dear you know and uh uh you know, and that's call me lucky should have been called. Thank God it was nice to that kid. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so um, uh, I'm hitchhiking. But anyway, it's raining like hell. I'm in a car. Guys, guys, you know, driving up the East Coast. It's raining like hell. I want to go to New York. He goes, well, look, I'm not going through New York City because he was going around. He was going up to Boston. He said, you know, look, I got to dump you out here. And I feel bad about that. You sure you don't want to just go to Boston? And I huh. went, fuck it. Boston's in the American League. <laughs> you know, just it's just like a big place to me, you know, like. Yeah. American <laughs> yeah. So I, Those are your values. I go to Boston. <laughs> I go to Boston. And uh, um, 
I ended up doing a show that was like just about Memorial Day. On Memorial Day weekend on Sunday night, I did a show at what? It was this sort of uh, the comedy connection would do shows once in a while at this place that I ended up doing shows full time at called the well it was called the Springfield Street Saloon then it became the Ding Ho when I uh, took over and and booked it it's uh, by we so I'm, I get there Memorial Day weekend I try to hustle stuff in Boston all summer work a bunch of jobs paint building do stuff but I also uh, you know I'm trying to figure out venues and and, I, and we ended up at the at the Ding, uh, in October, the Ding Ho uh, is like a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, slash. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would, but it used to be this. I don't know. They probably sold probably barbecue place some because it was Western. You know, it was like so. It had kind of a country Western decor and it was a Chinese <laughs> restaurant that did comedy, of course. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but physically, the room was tremendous. Right. You know, Perfect I mean, setup. well, I mean, if you know, those rooms were if if you just take a like a kind of an alley shaped room, the mistake they always make is they put the stage at the far end of the right, room right, rather right. than in the center no. of the room, because right, right. then you know the closest people are in each corner, the furthest people are in each corner, and those people are so much closer to you than the if they're all, all the, way the way in the back, back you right. know, so you have. So, you know, in the end, I don't know if you added it up, there might have been eight rows of, if, if you sort of could, you know, it was tables and stuff, so it was hard to delineate, delineate it that way. But uh, uh, it was physically just a tremendous uh, room. And the other thing was I put it, I'd been around the country a lot. I'd been doing comedy for a while. I mean, the first several years of doing comedy was just trying to figure out how and where to do it right it wasn't like work on your act or that's all get you know get someone to book you or whatever you know that would well when i started doing comedy i don't know i mean i often wonder in the early 70s there might have been a hundred people calling themselves comedians in the whole country right and now it's like you know refugee crisis <laughs> right, right, right. syria is opening its borders to open micers <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh uh but what I did at the, but I've been, you know, like all comics, and even to this day, I've been treated like crap a lot. Where it's sort of like, oh, you got to wait around forever, and then you go on it, you know, no, none in the morning, and you you got three minutes, and you know, and then it's like, and you can't come back for six weeks after you've had, and, and it's like all this stuff. It's just like, make it completely impossible feeling like, you know, everything. You know, everything depends on this one completely hopeless situation. <laughs> you know, it was just sort of like the three this minutes doesn't of seem, Yeah, right, right, right. You know, like no one's even in the room. You know, right. so uh, uh, when I got the thing going, I just well, I mean, I, I did it in, in Skinny Atlas too at the show. Bob and Tommy and those guys came too, but. Uh, Tommy being SpongeBob, you know. So I was so, so I helped. I discovered SpongeBob. Oh <laughs> it's sort of like this kind of. Uh, yeah, I know it's insane. Cosmic I, uh, synchronicity. When I when I would drive by the Burger Kings with the big foam rubber SpongeBob's on the top of them, I just went, "This is getting too weird." Right. Um, right. So anyway, uh, uh, I just figured. 
And, and I saw there was great talent in that town. And I just said, now imagine if these people were treated well. Imagine if they at least knew they had X number of gigs a month that were going to pay X amount of dollars. And imagine if their parents came to the gig and they were fed and whatever, and your money's no good here. You can leave a tip for the waitress if you like. I mean, that was that was Ding Ho. and wow. And people really... Uh, Really, uh, I mean, you know, when you take that kind of talent, you know, Paul Poundstone, Stephen Wright, and, right. and Kevin Meany, and and you give them that, they really Thrive. blossom. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's so that's basically, uh, you know, I mean, I swear to God, I paid people better at the Ding Ho in 1980 and 81, 82. Then people get paid today. Oh God! I mean, it's just like right, sad. And, and and the thing was, we, you know, the cover charge was a fraction, but we took. We felt like the cover charge went to the comics, you know. So that was the crazy thing. We took the money that people paid for comedy. And, right. You know, once in a while we might take a few bucks for an ad or something, but generally it was generally even the. I don't even know if we did that. But, you know, that was it. Well, in those days, too, it was all kind of word of mouth. Yeah, we were hip and underground. Well, we had this radio station in Cambridge that was this sort of gerbil-powered AM station. But they were cool. They played, like, the dead and stuff, man. You know, so we dug <laughs> them. And uh, WCAS. Um, and I went down and hustled a deal with them where we would do a weekend comedy show during the day. It was on Saturday, about halftime. Half the time we were there was on Saturday, and the other half it was on Sunday. But the trick wasn't the show. The show had a good listenership, but the trick was the show was in, the ads for the show were in constant rotation, and every time those ads played, it promoted the Ding Ho and the shows at the Ding Ho. Oh. So, you know, brought to you by the you know you know constant comedy at the Ding Ho. Yeah, right. comedy every night, you know, and so, oh, and and know. and right. and demographically, we built from these people who weren't listening to like you listen to the big one, blah blah blah. The people that uh, shoot that and put on, you know, like hey, they're playing, you know, traffic or something. So, not the, I mean, that band, <laughs> the band, <laughs> not the stuff from the helicopters. Right, right. Uh, so you know that went well, but I mean, a lot of people sort of. It ran its course, and the and the guy that owned the place, Jun Lee, who's my friend, who just disappeared because he had a gambling uh, deal, a problem. Oh. And uh, you know, last time I played Ding Ho, it went to the got to the point where you know the front room, the lounge was where we started, but soon we were also doing shows in the back room just because there was so much demand. So we would do four, <coughs> sometimes five shows on a Saturday night, four on uh, Fridays. F five generally five on the saturday five just, cds on a saturday yeah yeah wow. it just been you just you would walk up the stage in one room walk on the stage in the other room walk back into the other room beyond i mean you know you're just you were on stage all night wow but the last time i was there it was a night like that we sold out four or five i can't remember uh, but it was you know i mean turn away business and right I come over to pick up a notebook on the following Tuesday, and there's plywood on the doors. Well, what happened was Shun Lee had lost, from what I understand, he never told me because I never spoke to him again, but he, he uh, lost 
the tax money in a mahjong game. Jeez. Yeah. Oh no, dominoes. No. So, so that was the end of the thing. Oh yeah, lost wow. in a mahjong game. So then, but you had a following. So were you able to just? Well, I had this other club going across town by then called Stitches. Right. Which was with uh, the Don Law organization, and Don Law was the big concert promoter. And that's when I sort of, for whatever reasons, they would they booked me. Like, you know, they would book me and other comics to open for you know music acts, and I would do well at it. So I kept you know going up and doing bigger venues and whatever. And yeah, I ended up. So because of that, I ended up doing a little. You know, I, when Warren Zevon would come to New England, I would often do his shows with him. And that was the beginning. And then uh, Jackson Brown asked Goldthwait to tour with him in 88, and Goldthwait wow. wasn't available, so so I did that tour. Oh I mean, I went Jackson out to do Brown. Yeah, I went out to do that. Uh, uh, you know, Bragg. they brought me up for a couple dates, and, and then they asked me to do the whole country with them. And Billy Bragg a, number, a few times. Uh, <coughs> Dara Williams and Michelle Shocks, who kind of went crazy, I guess, from what I hear. Uh, had a religious nut now. Hmm. I think she's, you know, not good on issues dear to our hearts. Uh, but yeah, Billy toured with Billy, uh, and also then did a lot of the uh, big events where I would be sort of the house comic for the sort of remnants of the no nukes people. But I mean, I work with everybody from Bonnie Raitt to Chris Christopherson to, you know, uh, David Crosby and Graham Nash and, you know, all, wow. those, all those folks. And it was cool having gone from, you know, listening to that stuff. Right. To, now you're opening. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, to- and, and, and what happened to your and, head? And, did you, and like, I, no, I did you have fine. feelings? Did I you cry? But, but it was great. I didn't cry. No, but <laughs> you still haven't they, cried. <laughs> they, these guys, these guys uh, you know, what it was, though, in addition, what was really amazing was, you know, you're there, okay, well, well when I hear this, this is what happened. I'm in San Diego with, with Jackson, and there's a whole bunch of guests on the show, including David and Graham. Christopherson and Bonnie, Danny O'Keefe for a good time. Charlie's got the blues, uh, and Jackson's band, which is full of all these legendary people who are all over the, you know, uh, right, right. every, a lot of the great, in particular Los Angeles, uh, rock and roll stuff, and uh, so I literally I get set up for this joke of mine, which is my biggest joke and remains my biggest joke to this day. It's just it's I got if I don't do it, people get mad at me. It's like you know it was like Warren and Werewolves of London, you know. So then the joke was, uh, it, and it happened. It happened naturally. Some one night, somebody in an audience said to me. If you don't love this country, why don't you get out of it? And I said, because I don't want to be victimized by his foreign policy. And <laughs> and, and the place blew up. It just scratched this itch everybody had forever. Oh, it's an answer to that shit. Yay. Thank. I mean, there's this like gratitude and let, all in one. Th- right, so anyway, right. literally, and this guy had given me some crap earlier, so I knew he wasn't really a, you know, I, it, it, you know, I thought it might have been someone trying to set me up and do me a favor by being right. this human sacrifice and but but this guy you know gives me a couple and he's you know he's dumb and then he hits me with that 
pretty loud, and everybody, loud enough, he's sort of towards the center of the room, but it's U.S. Grant Hall, however big that, U.S. Grant Auditorium or whatever in San Diego, and uh, a pretty big place, thousands of people, and uh, he's centrally located, so he, you know, I mean, and everybody hears him, you know, like, if you don't love this country, we want to get out of it, because I don't want to be victimized by it, and it just, just blows up and goes back, it, you know, it's if you work a big room, a big, big, you know, indoor, outdoor, whatever, you know, the delay. you hit them. Yeah, well, they, it, it kind of rolls out and then rolls back at you. Right, right. And and this thing was rolling out and rolling back, and there's applause breaks, and then people applaud break, and then they start laughing, and the whole place is laughing. Like, it's it's got a life of its own. I mean, it's going on and on, and I'm kind of embarrassed. So I turned my head to the side of the stage, just you know, out of humility, like, okay, this is a little, and I, you know, I tried to say, hey, okay. and they're still blowing up. So I just look over the side of the stage, and standing on the side of the stage, Jackson Brown, Chris Christopherson, Bonnie Ray, David Crosby, Graham Nash, Danny O'Keefe, yeah, Jackson's whole band, you know, some major, you know, players in the management end of rock and they're all just going, and and. And then when I finished my set, they were waiting to greet me like I just hit a walk-off grand slam. Grand slam, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. In a game, we were down by three runs and in the right. eighth inning. Right, so, right, right. Uh, that, you know, I and I was smart enough at that moment to really say, remember this, because this is not going to happen again. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get like a measurable fraction of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame cheering for you. Right, you right, that. right. It's just the... Uh... That was like the Super Bowl Hail Mary pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's yeah, like, yeah, holy never shit, again. Yeah. taught it, holy shit, into yeah. the end zone. Well, I mean, and just completely just, guy just, and this guy thought he was going to ruin Shut that. it down, <laughs> right, know, right. Know, and it just turns into. Right. Well, there's also that when someone has that much venom and balls to stand up yeah. without amplification in the room yeah. of that many people yeah. he's feeling so high yeah. and when you take that and turn it around it's like oh because there's that moment and that's the thing about hacklers that's that moment where everybody's so nervous and then when you handle them okay, half the laugh is the relief of the audience right? because like, they're rooting for you right? but it's like you know and I mean you can basically hit them with not much and do fine but right. if you really got them. If you really them, get them, they're like, yeah. so yeah. blown. Yeah. And that yeah. guy was tagged, you know. And all I was all I did was answer his question. Right. Well, the truth, the truth is quite powerful when you when you stand in it. Yes. It's uh, you know, it's really expensive in some ways. In other ways, though, it's plentiful and in free supply. <laughs> right. Well. <laughs> Just unused. So you're you basically Midwife, the birth of comedy in Boston. Well, that's one way to put it, I guess. I, I guess. midwifed it. Yeah. Well, you you created, you know, Ding Ho. You created this this yeah. the birthplace for Boston's comedy, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, well, you know the modern stuff. I mean, Carlin was there doing radio. Uh, Fred Allen was from uh, Inman Square, where the Ding Ho was in Cambridge. Uh, you know, there's been a there was a lot of humor that came out of that town obviously there was but i mean in the modern stand-up sense it, it, it you know there was just a, a you know a little bit of a scene going on but there was 
no place where you could go and know that was going to be the place. So I, I did. I started the first full-time comedy club in Boston. And, you know, I probably... And then I insisted on 0% off the top so that... <laughs> So I could make sure I have to be on the road when I'm 63 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you, everybody you, was taken care of. So. Yeah, but that was sort of your own. Well, that you was, were so You were so well, I, communally minded. Well, to some extent also. But also, you know, part of it was just not having dealt with my childhood issues. And I just, you know, I, that was back when I would think, like, well, if I'm the only one who's suffering, that's the most we can hope for. We're doing the best we can. I'm... <sighs> just sucks for me you know so uh so it's yeah. hard to really own your value like your contribution well, yeah no i was never i mean literally one time i'm getting uh an award from noam chomsky uh i'm being presented with the peace leadership award in 1991 which was the year of right, with my first go well was no no that that was later that was a different later. That, that in addition a, to the one yeah, you received with my angela yeah <laughs> That was Zen. Uh, but this is uh, uh, Chomsky's there for the Boston Mobilization for Survival. It gives me uh, the Peace Leadership Award for 1991. And that was the year of the first Gulf War right. when all the stupidity started. And at the time, I was warning, look, this is not, you know, you're not dealing with the Vietnamese here. They're not going to be burning incense for everybody. And, you know, I mean, I literally said at the time, a jihad rain is going to fall. And what do you right. know? I, right. I wish I were wrong. But uh, I wish I was wrong. But anyway, um, I, I got the, you know, so they gave me the Peace uh, Leadership Award. And my joke at the time was, well, there's a very weak field. <laughs> And I'm like, oh. <laughs> there wasn't much competition. But um, uh, I got, uh, but while I was sitting there, and there's all these people are lauding me, and there's dinner in my honor and stuff. And I'm just waiting, kind of, in, not, not defined, but in my head, I'm kind of waiting for someone to burst in and go, you're giving this fraud, and then, you know, but I'm up there sitting there while these people are kind of paying, and I'm kind of floating up and thinking, trying to figure out, I start trying to capture myself, you know, like, well, here's the reasons, and I start adding it up, it's like, well, no, I actually, I actually was one of the only people who spoke up, you know, right. I actually did, you know, give up work, you know, canceled and changed things around so I could speak at rallies and do, st you know, I mean, and, right. and, you know, wrote a bunch of stuff against it and convinced a bunch of people that, you know, I mean, uh, what I always said about that war is if it had lasted two weeks longer, we could have stopped it. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the next year, I, my sister kind of started the tape about what happened to me as a kid because she was, she's who saved me. Right. And, and right. uh so then having done that work and whatever, you know, finally, you know, getting to the point where I just didn't have this subtext of self-loathing. Right. So when you say did the work, did you do like therapy, trauma, treatment? Basically, uh, I did some therapy, not very much. But in the end, the the biggest thing I did was work on behalf of contemporary children rather than a lot of what's set up for abuse survivors and whatever is sort of like they sort of set people up for like you know 
well, until the whole world comes to you and apologizes, you know, you're still being wronged. And it's like, and we're pretty good at wallowing at times, you know? I mean, right. we've got our training, you know? I mean, we have reason to. Right, uh, right. But, you know, if something happens to, I mean, everybody's been through something. A lot of people, a lot of worse stuff. And the idea, setting yourself up that, that uh, things aren't sort of based around you. Like, oh, I mean, someone actually said this to me. There's a, there's a red licorice in a movie and their perpetrator had you you know and they said they and they basically said it should be uh uh you know uh, a trigger warning <laughs> for red liquor and it's oh, just because like, someone was abused yeah right the yeah i mean it's like licorice, well i mean so. that you know then it will oh there's a white house you know i mean like where are you gonna stop you know <laughs> right. i mean it's just never i mean and and it's pillow. And, and, a pillow. And, and it sets up the abuse survivor to be the narcissist, whereas the perps are generally. I mean, they're the narcissist. Let them be the narcissist. Get out of your own way. Get assist yourself. Once you know what you've been through, once you've kind of identified, you're like clear of the scene of the crime and safe, and now you can actually make what sense that can be made of it. Uh, you know, now you got a responsibility to yourself to deal with some stuff. But also, who anyone selling you this sort of thing where other people not thinking in terms of your victimhood all the time, you know, is, I mean, in a way, that actually, that's a good thing, you know. Right. But, you know, that, that, that if and when you disclose to them that we, we have to make the world a place where people are much better braver about listening you know everybody everyone gives me credit for speaking up about some things i've spoke oh he's a hero because he spoke up but you know what if that if i'm a hero you know who else is a hero who else are heroes are people who listen to me when i spoke up because when i first started talking about getting raped as a four and five year old <clears throat> there were <coughs> excuse me there were um a lot of, a lot of, I would tell people about, you know, I tell people what's going on with you, and I would tell them, well, this is what's going on with me, and and a lot of them would cut you short, cut me short, and go, are you talking to anyone about this? And it's in the movie, and I go, yeah, I thought I was talking to you, you know, but there's this whole other group of people that I, you know, that did listen, and they're heroic, and that's a kindness. If we can get past this stuff where people are here, but if you want to show some bravery, you know, courage in this world, you can do it on a very sort of private level when you hear about someone, when someone starts telling you about what they've been through, what their experience is, that you you have the courage to be present, focus on what they have to say, and understand that it's not incumbent upon you to solve everything in a moment. I know of someone, I know of someone, this guy had an alcohol problem and he was a victim of a, a, a priest, you know, uh, in, uh, let's say Boston. <laughs> Imagine there might have even been a movie made about this uh, situation. And, this person went. This person was in AA before all this stuff about the movie came. And and with this other sort of prominent show business person in Boston, who's 
sober uh, and has done a lot of good for a lot of people. But when this person, this this other person in Boston kept trying to drag this guy to all these Catholic events, and finally the, the guy says, look, I don't ever want, I got raped by a priest repeatedly when I was an adolescent, and I don't ever want to go to anything at the Catholic Church. You dig? Ever. And so uh, uh, this guy immediately starts screaming at this guy if this guy who made this disclosure, me is just going, well, that is exactly what you have to do. You have to go back to the church and you have to forgive that priest screaming at him. What? Yeah. So uh, what I was getting at, what it reminded me is when people make those kind of disclosures, when people disclose something really heavy, you have to let it sort of register. You don't, I mean, and then the first thing you have to say is something, you know, very supportive, but general and not and not in any way instructional. You know, <laughs> right. it's just like what people, you have well, to do get is scared and they want to fix it. Wow, this this person also is you know probably makes a few bucks being a friend of the diocese in in Boston. Uh, but uh, so this is a whole other. Well, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's one of the worst thing. And I mean, this person, a person, a this survivor, person, and, and deny, denying that it happened. I don't know no, why. No I don't know. I, I have no idea, but I do know that this uh, other person is a very good person who fortunately did eventually get sober. But, uh, you know, I mean, that was shocking to me. And this person, this sober person, for years I had been completely enamored with the whole uh, act, you know, <laughs> but uh, when I heard, uh, but I always thought, well, what he's done with other people with you know, substance abuse problems, that's wonderful, you know, right. and then I heard that, so it's just like, Phew. you know, there's not a lot of pitons to drive in the side of that cliff <laughs> anymore. Not a lot so of I what? Just, Pita? What do they call those things, the, the pitons that for mountain climbing the two, oh is right that what they're called? i don't know the little Maybe, picks yeah. or whatever yeah or yeah yeah spikes little, to help you yeah. climb along the yeah all right anyway uh so but, really listening when someone discloses the biggest service you can do is, is, is listening to, re, to, is to listen. listen and validate and then and then you know just say well i mean in all i mean my case so often, I'm the first time they've ever tested, you know, saying that stuff aloud or writing it in an email or whatever. Right, right. Since Call Me Lucky came out, I've just, my I need a helmet to open my email in the morning because it's just right. like, what's going to blow up today? Right. Now, are there services? Because I mean, the people, not, people that not, are listening to this, they'll go, yeah, there are places well, people I mean, you know, a lot of the people talk, well, the, there's malesurvivor.org and it, uh, there's a lot more stuff for uh for women and uh, i wouldn't deem it appro appropriate to to pick one but male survivor is pr is pretty good if you got uh, uh clergy abuse snap is good uh uh but other than you know i mean i've never been uh like I've been accused of being a communist. He's a communist, and it's like, hey, clearly you don't know I'm not. I could never take the meetings, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of a lone wolf, and you know, I mean, when I, I, I really try to get to everybody, but 
lately I'm just overwhelmed because with the ever since the stuff came out about Trump being a perpetrator in his own words I mean he's one of two things he's either a perpetrator of these uh, uh, of this felonious uh, uh, you know <laughs> sex criminal or or else he's someone who like fantasizes about it or thinks that's how you impress somebody or so he or he made it up and lied about it which is you know plenty weird and dangerous enough so either way like i don't care there's no and this locker room talk stuff that really as a male survivor as someone who came out in 1992 or three publicly you know i'm almost a quarter of a century and that was a long time ago in in and you know public awareness about this stuff i mean it was like right you know homophobia everything they're just like people couldn't handle it you know like right. this guy this great comedian comes up and so you know right and i heard it all you know but i knew it needed to be uh i knew it needed to be done but some of what i ran into was you know a lot of the structure there was just for women and there was some easy answers often not proffered by actual survivors but by some other people that this happens because men are evil you know children are abused because men are evil and and it's like at night i came to the conclusion children are abused because children are abused so if we could stop children from getting abused we could stop children from being abused so uh you know it's been a long sort of battle not bad you know battle might be the wrong word but struggle uh to uh, sort of, well, you know, to have, because I just think that, you know, I'm, first off, anyone that talks to you about any kind of abuse, rape, what have you, and starts throwing stats at you, these crimes are the world's easiest and most covered up crimes, you know? <laughs> so when you start a one out of six and one of this, and it's like, it's just like, all I know is in 23 years or whatever it is, I have an incredible amount of anecdotal information, like far better than probably some scientific studies. If you add up how many people have come to me and disclosed to me, once you go public, then a lot of people start talking to you. Now, at first, some of the people who came after me and were nasty to me, eight, 10 years, 20 years later, they come to me, I'm so sorry that I did that. I was I couldn't deal with what had happened to me. Which right, is, yeah. right. So... Uh, so uh, <clears throat> um, there was a big kind of it was kind of tough uh, being you know a male survivor and there wasn't a lot of places so I mean we worked hard to kind of earn our place in the community and 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 have our you know what we've been through be, be recognized as being you know awful you know in the meantime while we were you know of course you know we're completely tried to be completely sensitive and fair about every issue so i mean you know like what women go through i mean you know i mean we talk about homeland security in this country all the time then we elect a guy like that to create a situation like that for every woman who walks into an office in this country how secure is her homeland how secure right. is any of our homeland when it's like that but anyway 
this stuff brought it back to when they got to locker room talk. Now it's like, well, all the guys did. Now we're back to the guy, and we got guys promoting it, you know? Right. And they're promoting the locker room talk crap. And it's like, first off, I played a lot of ball, and, you know, <clears throat> anyone who said that kind of shit in a locker room where I played would, be, you know, you'd have two black guys and a fucking jock strap crammed in your mouth, and you'd be stuck in your locker. But it never went that far because, you know, like you could just growl a little bit and, you know, that was that was enough. Right. But, I mean, the idea like, you know, I mean, you know, most of what they call locker room talk, you remember that this is, you know, everyone's not playing in the National Football League. So, like, people are talking about locker rooms that are really local places with a sort of a concentration of a local scene in some way. So if they're talking about women in there, it's a woman everybody knows. Right. So, I mean, you have enough decent guys around that someone's going to go, shut up, you know, talk like that. Or, and by the way, she would never sleep with you. You're a jerk. <laughs> right. You know, right. like, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I've heard, you know, I mean, there are guys, I mean, there's bluster out there, but it's not, it's not, it's not, oh, it's not the average. Right. Let alone prevalent. It's right. not the it's not average. like people just walk in and everyone talks about you know I mean you know, different techniques for grabbing you know, a us, the pussy in every well, locker room. Yeah, yeah. There's our, no guide like guide to choking. Yeah, you know? right, right. <laughs> Emergency uh, poster. Right, someone's choking. If right, a woman approaches right, you, how right, do you grab yeah, a pussy? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, exactly, there's no guide for yeah, that. No, every no well, I mean, first up because uh, from what I gather, there's sort of a concentration of you know, there's a lot of uh, nerves and st- you know, a lot of you know, so you probably wouldn't. Even a woman that God. you, even a woman that you could actually probably have a pretty good shot with, if your first move is there, I, you know, I think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a game changer. That's kind of. <laughs> that's you're called going, assault. Yeah, you, it's you, called yeah, yes. assault. Yeah, you, you reversed. You reversed. The locker room talk is not, you know, variations of sexual assault against. Well, the women. I mean, again, I mean that that kind of shit. No one talk, but so now since this shit has happened. I I mean I, I with Call Me Lucky came out I mean I just get so I'm behind in my uh, dealing with everybody because at one point it turns out there's these filtered messages on Facebook that I didn't know about right and so about if you don't know them six they... months ago I found there's hundreds of them there right. from these people and they're all like small print and a foot long telling me this one heartbreaking story after so I have to go through them one by one by one and make sure I get back to everybody and once in a while somebody isn't there anymore or what so I just feel terrible but I can only I you know I can only I can only do what I can do, and I can't just hand it to somebody else because people are writing me, and it's, you know, right, I, right. I don't know what, I mean, I don't know, I, I'm not going to, you know, in, in, in advance violate a confidence, so, but anyway, so I hear from a lot of these people, well, once that Trump crap came out, uh, you know, him on tape saying that shit, uh, you know, it just blew up. The private stuff just blew up. I mean, I basically, since then, I've been every day uh, just dealing with various people. And lately, I'm at the point where I'm so overwhelmed that I'm sending people notes saying, look, I'm, I'm going to get to you, you know. And all I can say is at least it's not the horrible corporation where some, you know, like the actual guy is writing, going, sorry, I can't do this right now. But, I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds. I haven't even gotten that done yet. 
because it's just and now it's just blown up uh since this came out and then this other thing that no one really knows about is i'm hearing from a lot of male survivors who feel like you know we work so hard to get a toehold in this thing to get understand you know that you know that out what we've been through matters too and that it and that it damages us too and we have a lot to work on and we could use some understanding and kindness from people and we're working on it here's some ideas and and now it goes right back to well that happens because men are evil you know we're right back to where we were 20 something years ago in some ways you know and right so it's like and then we elect the fascist, which didn't, didn't cut the mail down at all. <laughs> right, <laughs> at all. right, right, right. So, right, it just yeah. erases all accountability. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it celebrates almost like you know. I mean that's people see that as holy shit. Right. This like, came out on this guy. I mean, imagine how many women. And and by the way, imagine how many you know. How many uh, sexually abusive bosses in the country are emboldened by this? Right, right. And and whatever, and and just bullies in general. Right, because now the bully has become the the high school bully has become the principal of the school. Yeah, right. And we're like, now what? How do we report stuff? <sighs> he's the goddamn superintendent of schools. That guy. He's the secretary of education. Although they'll probably get rid of that. <laughs> you wouldn't want to have that. Right, we'll have none of that. Oh, no. yeah, oh my God, this has been such a dark turn, but it's important. I mean, that is important work. I mean, I watched Call Me Lucky, and I, you know, I had to had to get myself ready to watch it, yeah, and to sit through that. But I just felt like God. There's just so many, you know. And when you single handedly basically, sh- you were like the David and Goliath against AOL. AOL, <laughs> I cannot believe AOL. Yeah, was basically. Fun, oh, they're they were, Their just, cash cow was pedophilia. Oh, yeah. AOL made millions of dollars. Child, I mean, they child, must have child pornography. Well, I mean, I was in the chat rooms with these people, and you know, they had like wood burning modems in those days, and so you <laughs> upload one picture, it takes half an hour or an hour. Right. People were spending so thousands of dollars every month, a month, you know, and they're all complaining. You know, that's the second most. They're holding like a child abuse clinic. That's the primary thing they're doing and trading that stuff. But then the next thing they're doing is they're all talking about how much money they were spending on AOL. So it didn't take one second to follow the money. I knew right where it went. And I knew that's why AOL was playing it so stupid. When I first ran into it, it was in these members created rooms. When someone directed me to it and I went and checked it out, I just brought it to AOL and said, okay, well, this will shut this stuff down. And they... Well, we have to consider the rights of our... Really? You're talking about... You have to consider rights? the rights of minors not being respected. photographic evidence of little kids getting raped. It's like, you know, we have all this snickering, nervous stuff about it. But, you know, I mean, even the term kiddie porn is so offensive. It sounds like Bunny Hill or something. It sounds like right, could right. Be, oh, kiddies are involved. That could be fun. You know, kiddies are fun, kind of light word. That's not what this is. This is, you know, when you've seen, you know... Uh, a little kid with red curly hair getting raped by a big guy with red curly hair who completely resembles that kid. It's like, and you're looking at the kid's eyes and you're almost watching the, you know, the spirit and life go out of them, the kind of drifting away. I, there's a very famous picture of a Palestinian guy carrying his dead daughter. You care she, tell she just has passed, transpired, and he's running with the child in his arms. And he's 
and you can tell he's like sort of at this point where he realizes like well what am i even doing she's dead you know but he's got this look his eyes are kind of rolled up into his head and you can just see the humanity escaping from him like i'm crazy you know like okay you made yourself a terrorist there whoever did this you know, I, I don't even remember the circumstances, but it's in a famous book, the photos, I think the cover photo, a very famous book called War Torn, and it's combat mm. photography. Right. And if you look at that picture, anyway, that guy's eyes, I saw a lot of those eyes in those, you know, in that stuff, and it's nothing, it's just, and I mean, I get tired as a comic listening to this sort of, you know, nervous laughs about that stuff and so on and so forth, and as if, oh, I'm cutting edge, and I, you know, it's cutting edge. I don't know. I think takes. We we're too often hit, hit in the back of the head with a shovel and told they're using a scalpel on us. You know, it's just like you know, making. You're not some daredevil if you're doing jokes about people, someone dying from cancer or whatever. Like whenever I do comedy, I mean, I try to think about who's who could be in the audience, and maybe somebody in the audience has come out for the first time since their spouse died of cancer or, or. You know, or they're fighting cancer and they're thinking some laughs would help or whatever right, it is. Right, right. And you go out and you think you're this cutting edge guy making a bunch of jokes about, you know, like, well, I mean, I'm not telling anyone not to do it. I'm telling you why I don't, though. And one night early in my career, I had something that sort of solidified. I just, I just made the decision. I just noticed early on that the word, you know, retard is ridiculously uh, misused and overused and. And I just don't use it, you know. I mean, I, I actually like I, the one time I can remember using it in anything. Where I said, like, I was talking about Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, and I said, well, the whole country has stopped for like two years because these two sexually retarded people can't believe if you rub it long enough, it will spit at you. That was, a, <laughs> but that's you know that's ah! a proper that's a proper use of that word. Oh. But, <laughs> but but um uh. Other than that, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't use that word. I'm just find another word. Find, you know, Twain said use the right word. Now it's second cousin, and that word is generally a second cousin at best. Right. So I do this show one night, and I'm closing. And after the show, this couple comes up to me, pretty young couple, and and uh, you know, I mean, they're probably early thirties or something, and they said we just wanted to thank you. And I go, well, thank you. You know, they go, no, we wanted to really thank you. We have a profoundly uh, retarded child, and once a year we get a, a special babysitter uh, who can come and, and, and meet the child's needs, and we know we can go out and have one night. So once a year we get to go out and do something, and we bet on comedy. And we sat here and listened to the, uh, the first acts, and all they said was retard this and retard that. Then you got up and you were really funny. You were clearly on the side of the little guy. And you didn't use that word once. And we just wanted to thank you very much for it. Now, people can people can say, oh, there's political correctness. And whatever. it's like, I'm not telling anybody else what to do. But, you know, it's a matter of... Uh, you know, it's a matter of editing. It's a matter of taste. And it's a matter of being articulate. And it's a matter of noticing that you don't live in a vacuum. And, and, and you know, you notice this oaf that just bowls over everybody near you. Right, and floating on your privilege. Yeah, because yeah, cause it's convenient, you know. And 
Well, I mean, those guys, I mean, you know, there's that whole thing where it's like, you know, you know, like acting like you're this cutting edge rebel because you're reinforcing an oppressive status quo is nothing to brag about. <laughs> so, you're, well, you're you're the you're the underdogs. I don't want to say hero, but I want to say there's but there is something about you know, calling me lucky and also watching the special your your, your special yeah. whatever. Well, I, I, I don't want to give. Well, I, 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 want, I want to give. I want you to do that story of that okay. how you got the title. Okay. Well, that's. I go to. I go to my high school reunion in the nineteen ninety. Like my twentieth high school reunion. I go there and and uh, you know it's cable TV by then. I'm on TV in Boston a lot, and they see this one station and you know, Channel Thirty Eight. We did a lot of stuff with them, and and I had been on there some talk show or something promoting uh, an AIDS special, an AIDS benefit I was doing, and. Uh, I'm at my high school reunion, and three or four of the boys kind of pulled me aside. We're, e- we're eating in the dining room area, and they go, come on, it's the bar, Kramer. we got to give you a chance. They're upstate New York, so they have that delightful accent. Uh, we got to give you a chance to clear your name. I go, clear my name about what? You know. So, I mean, I go along as much out of, like, what are these schmoes? Right, right, <laughs> right, know, right, right. What have you guys gotten yourselves into now? So, right, right. So I go, yeah, what is it? What do I have to clear my name about? And they go, uh, well, we heard when you were over to Boston, you done an AIDS benefit. I go, yeah, I done dozens of AIDS benefits. Well, you aren't a queer, are you? And I said, no, no, I'm whatever threatens you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a communist with AIDS and I bite. You know, is that good enough for you? And it's, I mean, you know, and that's that. And I got that philosophy from when I, you know, when I would tour in the early 80s and into the 80s, my name's Barry and I'm a comic and I'd be down south or somewhere in the Midwest. People go, hey, we know you're a Jew. It's okay. You can tell us. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, you know, I'm Irish Catholic, you know, but it's just like, okay, if you need a Jew, I'll be, a, you know, I'd be happy to stand in. Whatever like, threatens you. You need a Jew to Harry. I'm here I am. So... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that's what the special is called. Whatever threatens you, and right. uh, and that's it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you know, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Right. Exactly. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. It's exactly yeah. what you do. Yeah. You well, really you know kick try to kick up uh, and uh, pull 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 below hand hand out to up. Yeah. Yeah. No. How did so the Louis C.K. connection. How did that come Well, that's, about? you know... Because you were obviously the gatekeeper when he that, came that, Well, I was kind of past. I was in uh, town. I was, you know, out west and on the road a lot and doing some of those tours. But he was... He, what he, I mean, what I've read of what he said of you was like, he was like, you were one of his... You know, Kevin Meany and you, Barry Crippens, were his, some icons that, that inspired well, him. Well, it's very him. generous of him to say that. Uh, and, and he uh, directed and produced your specials. Yeah. Something. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> It's, you know, thank God I was nice to that kid part two. But <laughs> both he and Bobby are just such hard workers. I think that's the, you know, I, here's the other thing. I get these, people see, the people see this other doc too called uh, When Stand Up Stood Out About the Boston Con. Ah, just a second. Oh, ow. Ow. Well, I hopefully I came out. Uh oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, no a little sorry. sliver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I forgot what I was saying. See how that oh, works. Bob, yeah. Bob, Bobcat, <laughs> Goldthwait, and Louis C.K. 
Uh, uh, was this hard workers? Yeah, and and uh, I get these people contact me. I mean, I got the other day, like it's like right after the election, you know, and I'm just dealing and again. I'm dealing with them that people don't this would shouldn't necessarily know the shockwaves that sent through the abuse survivor community, but I do. I'm dealing with that a lot. And I'm dealing with other people of good faith politically, but they're being a little whiny and a little needy, but okay. But then I get these things from comics. Oh, I know. And they made this movie, uh, When Stand Up Stood Out, which it sort of it tells another angle of the story of, of the Boston comedy scene. France Alameda produced and uh, directed that, I guess. So um, people know me as this... They think in terms of me as a star maker or something, which is ridiculous. I mean, I was just around when these people, I mean, you know, these people are, became who they are because they're great people. You know, Kevin Meany didn't need me. Stephen Wright, you know, didn't need me. But anyway, so I get these, you know, like last week on one day, five different people wrote me and basically asked for the same thing, which was, you know, you know, a recommendation, my address book, and, you know, and several bookings. And it's like, I do not know these people. You know, like, I I will do what I can for, you know, but it's not that much anymore that I ever found it. There's something there. <laughs> oh, God. That's no, all right. I for got listeners, it. there's a, uh, we're in this ancient Victorian house with an old wood floor, and I guess you've just been impaled. By... <sighs> yes. Well, this is interesting. Oh, my God. Okay, I think I got it somehow. Uh, I, I sure did get it. Um, so these people, uh, uh, you know, they just don't, I mean, I hate to be this, like, you know, Protestant work ethic guy, but, you know, Go out and do. I mean, I even had one kid. You know, he means well, but he's like, "Well, I want to do the kind of stuff you do." Well, that's fine. Uh, I need to know, though. I also need to want to do, you know, progressive stuff and work in causes and whatever. Can you give me a list of? It's like, what am I your intern? Right. I don't know what interests. If you go find out who's out there doing what you want to do, I'm not going to assign you to my you know, list of approved charities. I don't have time to do that. And by the way, you know, a charity I might have approved of eight years ago has new people sitting in that office right now who might treat people like crap who come through the door. I don't know. I don't have I don't have time for that. Right. So right. and you gotta like do the work. You gotta Yeah. There's exactly no, uh, right. There's no app for that. Oh my god, are you totally getting attacked <laughs> yes. by my floor? <laughs> it's all right. This ancient floor must be oh. <laughs> Oh no! There it is. Ow! Jeez! <laughs> is there a porcupine under this? No, no, no. Let me put this under. Let me just pull this under here. Let's put that so you're not constantly. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> See now you have one sock on and one sock off. I know. Oh, good. This is being video. This is videotaping. Perfect. This is working out just as I. As you planned. What and quit show business? <laughs> so. so. Oh man! So, uh, well, I'm sure people. Yeah, I mean, they got to do the fucking do the fucking work, kid. You know, I mean, like, you know, and and I mean, and they come to me for a certain amount, but it's like, you know what? It's like sort of like people who write you, they don't understand. It's like what 
you know, I don't have a blue booklet. I don't feel like writing an essay question out right now. You know, right. like I don't, like, you know what, that's, that's a 5,000 word answer what you just asked for. And, you know, if I were ever to write it, I would sell it to somebody, not just send it back. And then you could buy that book and maybe it would help you. But, I mean, it's in, it's ineffective to go one person at a time. All asking very similar questions like, how can we get the world more based around me than it is right now? <laughs> how can we make the whole universe meet my needs? Yeah, right. So, yeah. Barry, what do you think are the next five contacts for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice yeah, I mean, yeah just... Text me. Hey, give me yeah, a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, if we could sit down, and then these people who think like, you know, hey, you're coming to town, and we're going to have coffee, and it's on me, and I don't want to, wow, I get a cup of coffee for <laughs> fucking three hours of my time. That's great. You know, like, wow, I didn't have anything else to do, and I will have traveled that day, and I'm old, and I will have been on the road. Oh, let's look at the schedule. I would have been at four cities that week. No, let me get out of the... You know, get get there from the airport, get to the hotel and go, Larry, yes, this Larry, Larry 3838 from the, you know. At AOL.com. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, AOL. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Are you cramping or are you? No, no, it's the, the, it's, it's weird. Still... It just keeps turning up. And so maybe put... it's still in there and it's just. Uh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> You're like, we but you have, you have one toe soon. like ballet point. Yeah, I know. The time. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. You're... It's okay, I'm on fire, but I'm fine. Oh, I mean, believe me, this is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is nothing like the babysitters. This is, you know, we needed something to hang this interview on. Right, exactly. We, we needed some Shut sort of physical callback. Oh, my God. I feel like you're having a gout bout. Yeah, You've... that's. I have never had the gout either. I'm glad this one benefit of vegetarianism. Right, true. That's true. When you're a vegetarian, uh, you're less likely. Oh, I probably it. easily have it by now. Right. So, so you're like this straight edge guy, right? Forever. Straight hedge. Edge. Like you never, isn't that, you know, you just don't, I mean, you never drank, you never did anything your whole well, life. Well, I grew up, I grew up with really strict friends. My brother did all the partying and I was the one doing all the tattling. You know, he would have a cake oh, party. Wow. I'd hang out with all the friends. And then after the party, I would just, it was horrible. Oh, man. But you have to understand, he, I was the good boy. He was the bad boy. And then I came out when I was 14, and he was a good boy, and then I was a bad girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I saved man. everything, because I knew I was gay from a very young age. So I thought, if I'm perfect, my composite score for oh, everything right, right, else, because right, right, I was also raised by an overachieving Asian parent. So as yeah. long as I do everything else perfectly, then this gay thing won't be a big deal. Yeah. So somehow I, you know, shut all that down. I mean, I have plenty of emotional addictions you know i don't i don't do drugs but boy if someone is unavailable i am hooked on them like if someone's giving me witnessing so you still me find a way to damage yourself oh no i have plenty of wounds that don't involve substances it's yeah. all in my heart all in my heart i just want someone to love me that can't possibly be completely available right that is my cocaine right if you show me affection and witness me but by the way, cheating by the, on your spouse, by the way, let's not, I never did. I was never a cocaine. My friend Tim Walker has the best joke about cocaine. He says, "I don't, I don't like to stay up late and complain about my little league coach." <laughs> 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 and I'm with him. You know, it's like, no, you're 38. You know, like that was it. That one game. I would have just stopped doing that stuff. You know. Plus, I like the, you know, I just spent a hundred dollars drinking. I would like to get credit for that rather than just drink it to a tie with 
Let's get credit it's like for two that. drugs that are like work against each other. Well, I guess like, you you want to have yeah right because they basically cancel each other yeah, out. Yeah right right. It's right. like spend a lot of money. Yeah. Right. All the, it just gives you the same you know economic nightmare. Right. So same deficit, two yeah. different directions. So now what's up for you now? Because now you call oh. me lucky is out there. Well, get Anyone this. Can... So get this. I shoot the. I mean Lawrence Kansas getting ready to shoot the special for Louis. Right. By the way, which is way, let's go whatever back threatens you. Yeah, just an incredibly hard worker, never stops. Louis C.K. Yeah, I mean, you know, just I'm. It was amazing doing a, a thing with him because I'd never worked with anybody before. Where I, before you text them, you check the AP wire to see what they're up to. You know, <laughs> I was like, ah, no, I better leave him alone today. He's with, he's something to do with the United Nations. Yeah. So right, right. anyway, but I mean. He came in, nailed that thing, and then edited, put his great people on it, and you know, you, you see what it resulted from. Yeah, it's and, great. And then he wrote that lovely thing about me and Kevin, and it was just because that's like that's like the universe going go forth and and, and prosper. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like the blessing of the Louis, the blessing yeah. of the Louis C.K. That's right. You've received it. You've been anointed. So, Louis. And I talked right after the film debuted at Bob's film debuted at Sundance about doing this. And then two days before I shoot the thing, all throughout all throughout the you know, the film fests and stuff that we did and promoting, Goldthwaite kept saying I still wanted he originally wanted to do a narrative film about me. Hmm. But and but then we did the doc, and I mean it opens at Sundance, it's critically acclaimed, it's like pretty much, you know. And then uh, so uh, he kind, of, but he keeps saying, "Well, I still want to do the narrative because he wanted to do a narrative about me taking on AOL, right?" You know? um, and and uh, so two days before I shoot the special, Goldthwait calls me. I'm in Lawrence, and Goldthwait calls. Now I'm in Lawrence, and Goldthwait's calling me. You know, I was in. Utah, and I'm talking to Louis. So, at Bob's thing, now I'm at Louis's thing, and Goldthwait's calling. So Goldthwait calls and says, "You know the narrative?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah. How's that going, Bob?" Because I was like, "Yeah, because there can't be enough. You know, I just haven't been examined enough. <laughs> you know, I haven't I, done enough on yeah, child be abuse more and movies uh, about online no, pedophilia. No, no, right, no, right, right. Um, you know, just you know, I mean, I just felt like I got a pretty good shot, you know, and that was you know, I didn't expect anything else." Well, he said, well, I, you know, I think there's a good chance we're going to do the narrative now. And I go, really? And who is we? Which in showbiz shorthand means where's the money coming from? Or who's going to figure out where the money comes from? And he goes, Judd Apatow. So, oh, my God. So Apatow and, and Bobby are supposedly working on, you know, I, I'm calling working title, call me greedy. Uh, <laughs> call so, me pro- well, just call me profitable yeah, and well, open to abundance well see we'll see what happens that's uh, great yeah. so they want to do the story of how you took down aol yeah kind of yeah that's yeah, it's a pretty great. good story i mean that well is, so i guess we haven't finished the whole aol story so you came you brought all this evidence well then i write goldthwait and i go like okay but you know now i'm concerned like how do we complete the trilogy yeah <laughs> Ten minutes later, I get a message back from Gold Text, back from Goldthwait, and he says, "The musical." <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty good. 
So, so just to let the audience know, so you sat and testified to Congress. Yeah, the U.S. Senate US Judiciary Senate. Committee. Yeah, U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. A bunch committee. of guys I shit on for a living. You know? Right, They're right, all right. there. I mean, just like it was right after the, you know, some of the heavy confirmation hearings, you know. Uh, I don't, it was after Clarence Thomas and, and Bork and whatever, and, you know, Strom Thurmond was there to co-op my friend Randy Critico's impression of Strom that, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, he, he important because it concerns children. Children and the young people of tomorrow, which <laughs> just, just killed me. Oh. And I'm getting ready to do this really heavy thing about a year of, you know, dealing with this crap, this nightmare, and I'm like, and I'm thinking of these kids who I represent, you know, I'm some of whom I'm sure aren't even alive anymore. And I'm, you know, really grim. And then Strom Thurmond comes in and he's so ridiculous. He's like, yeah, yeah, boy, yeah, point, you know. And <laughs> I'd say more, but that's all they give me, you know. And, you know, he didn't have, like, AIDS. He had, like, spotters because he was so old at right, that point. Right. You know, like, watch the hip. So, right, right. So, um, uh, but anyway, I testified in it. And basically, the AOL guy was this guy who I said, you know, it's, he, you know, his shoes were worth more than my education, but right. he, but he thought uh, he was going to uh, really, uh, you know, take he you took, down. He, he was took, destroyed. He, he yeah. took me lightly. I think he had no idea that you would. Well, he's going. What's this guy? A nightclub comic? And it's like, yeah, I've dealt with a few hecklers in my day. <laughs> right, right, let's, let's, right. He's let's, some let's dance. corporate had, lightweight. Yeah, he has well, no idea I mean, what's going to come. You know, uh, he, I now Goldthwait tried to get him for the movie, and all we know is he doesn't practice law anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. Well, I don't know, and I don't know what else, I don't know what else. But he wasn't interested in doing the film. But wow. Bob gave him his chance. Oh, would have been great. Well, he uh, probably feels like uh, he'd just be the villain. Well, now he knows something about you know, about uh, about recalling trauma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, he had it coming. Jesus Christ! Right? How would he? How could he? Anyone consciously defend? You know, I corporate mean, just, I mean, he's just trying corporate to. Child he's, he's just trying to put words in my mind. You know, like. Well, Mr. Crimmins is opposed to parental guidance software, and it was just like I'm not opposed to it, but what good does it do? And if and the it, parents are perpetrating yeah, the abuse, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't right. just have parental guidance. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. Parental. Parental's whatever. a nice word, but you know, it doesn't mean crap. You know, it doesn't mean if the parents are the ones you know, abusing their child. Yeah, right. You know, how do you think, stop I, that? I think incest trumps that, as does physical abuse, a million things. You know, right. emotional. So. Anyway, so you but you were successful. You testified. You brought all this evidence. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they. Because now the law is like, if you anyone has possession of any type of child pornography, and basically that was the law then. It just was being overlooked, and and then and again, like, you know, cops weren't even on the internet then. You know, right, and I mean, right. I'm not a big cop guy, but if we're gonna have cops protecting children, would be what I the duty I would put them on. You right, know? right. So, you know, that's call me crazy but that's it that's that's you know we need these people that uh snoop around in everybody else's lives right know. but but aol was basically the gateway to that they were not policing it they were not stopping no they, it. they were, were making profi- a fortune they were profiteering yeah, off of without, any, without any question 
Without any question. And then, when we're out doing so comedy. So what happened to AOL? Did they have to pay fines? No, did they, they have to restitution? Nothing no, to these families? Nothing. No, these... no, no. They just walked away with all that money and they just, they, they, and that was nothing. The, but, but, you know, the other thing is it, it was sort of reaching the point where they, you know, the, the point of time when you could charge people an hourly rate anyway, but they got, you know, I mean, you know, they might, they might have lost. numbers on that. They might, they managed to keep it going. Until probably, I might have cost them a couple months, I think, in the end. But still, I had but some bad press. And nowadays, it's a different people, a different entity, you know. But it's like, well, the cornerstone of it is still bloody. And they go, well, you know, we would do anything we can to. And I always say to them when I deal with them, is like, well, you would do anything? Yeah. Why don't you repay me the thousands of dollars I spent to clean up your quote-unquote service in 1995? Right. You know, I'm not even asking for it in 1995 dollars, but you know, I'll take the 10 or 12 grand or whatever it is in AOL bills I ran up, you know, at three dollars an hour monitoring this stuff. Wow. Uh, you know, I could use that money. You know, wow. believe it or not, it's not that lucrative being me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if AOL uh, paid me back at some point. Wow. Yeah. So do you who so you were represented who is your like legal counsel? You just showed up with this if No, no, nobody. So no me. and no one because there's like I'm surprised there isn't some sort of like well, child no, I mean, well, no, no, but fund. no but well I'll tell you what, those people and I won't say their name, but they were supposed to sit with me at the hearing. And the night before the hearing I get contacted by them. Very famous organization, maybe the first one you would name. And they said, and and I literally wrote what they used for at least a decade, uh, the primer, you know, the primer, or what do you call it? You know, the, I, I, I wrote the, the basic, like, gut course for them, their online statement about child abuse and, and the Internet and so on and so forth. What I wrote, was their cornerstone of what they had to say about it for at least a decade. And I don't know, I could look at it and probably still find it there today, but it's a very famous organization. The night before the uh, the hearing, uh, I get a, I get, they get a hold of me and, uh, and they say, we can't sit with you. We get a major concession from AOL. They're giving us a free website. What? Yeah. So they, so AOL That's bought like, them uh, out. I mean, with a fucking thirty dollar website. Bought them out. And so they wouldn't. So they didn't sit there in solidarity with me because they were thrilled with the work I had done. Yeah, yeah. So then the other thing I found what? out when I got there was, when the guy starts testifying, he's responding to literal turns of phrases and stuff in my testimony. So someone, someone leaked your. Yeah. Yeah. evidence to and, them. And I mean, this is someone, this is someone, oh, sorry. <laughs> Just the Ice and W.C. Fields movie going on in the background. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's why I hate. So, so, this, uh, yeah, they, they leak it to this asshole. So then the the, yeah, I mean, the, oh, no, the lawyer I mean, from I mean, AOL yeah, 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 he's got my, and I mean, just think, just, just look at, the way I deal with things a lot is if you deal with something that's personal, you kind of turn it into like an algebra problem, so it's X and Y and whatever, and then you go, oh, you know, Z is an asshole, you know, like. Right, right. So, 
uh, if you just remove yourself literally and you just say, and just try to fairly put the facts there. Well, here's the facts. This guy, this little guy, spent a fortune of his own money who survived these kind of crimes and spoke up about this really growing and dangerous thing because, I mean, talk about the workers seizing the means of production. The, the You know, like, I'm generally in favor of that, but in this case, you know, it's just, it's a nightmare. It's like the digital stuff. Any, anybody, you know, it used to be like bad enough with a Polaroid camera, but, you know, when it was going into digital, I mean, when I, when I was doing this in 95, there, there wasn't even, if there was video, I didn't have the means to, to see it, but I had, I saw the photos. That's all. I just saw photos. I mean, what would be available now would be terrifying, but, you know, I, uh, now at least, Again, if we're going to have cops, they're on it. But so this guy, so anyway, I take this upon myself to do something about it. I, 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 I give them, you know, you know, a stack of, of, of email exchanges between me and AOL where their responses are just weak and ridiculous. And I just, and I am always writing back going like, well, that's all well and good. However, I asked you this because I'm tenacious, you know, and right, they right. don't. And then they don't answer, or they what you know, and right. and so finally, this guy, someone in that in the U.S. Senate involved with the U.S. Senate somewhere, looked at that case, and decided it was appropriate to leak my testimony. Now, what if the testimony had stuff in it they didn't know? First off, I had been taking all they were doing was uh, all it was was the same stuff, you know. Two nights before the thing, they they. AOL contacts me and said, you know, is there some way we could talk this out before these hearings? I go, no, the hearings are the perfect place to, <laughs> you right. know, I've waited this long for you guys to want to talk to me and suddenly you want to, because I was like, you know, remember when Marge Simpson get, went after Itchy and Scratchy and nobody, <laughs> you know, I was like Marge Simpson, one lone nut just right, like right, taking right. the, and I got him. Right, know? right. So, uh it's amazing when I watched that. I was like, "Oh my God, you did it! You yeah. did it!" And you yeah. you came in with just your scrappy, you know, you yeah. got your. It's yeah. not like they got this really super polished guy. Yeah, with I know. Whole I know. I know. Discourse. I look like a marijuana grower's arraignment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Jerry Garcia tie. Right. You were. You were. You were totally. Yeah, I wore. You know, I kept the goofy colors. But right. um right. You're like corporate schlumpy next to this yeah. like super polished guy. Yeah. And you, yeah. And so then, but all the, but the only thing Wait, is, you called me a corporate schlumpy. Well, you were wearing a Jerry Garcia tie. You were very like soft, like a hippie corporate. Yeah. You were oh, very I don't like, know you, I, yeah, no, like corporate though. is what I take. Well, Cause you, you had a, you had a blazer on. You had a blazer, yeah, yeah, but I a Jerry a Garcia tan, tie. I had a tan suit on. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Probably. Next to that guy who was like, yeah, no, no, he's, he's, uh, up. yeah, yeah. No, I know. Wind tunnel haircut. Right. You know, right. Wind tunnel resistant haircut. Right. Right. Truth resistant haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Just like nothing, and he was, and but at the end, when you see his eyes, he's got that thousand yard stare. Now there's a guy. Now you know a little something about uh, what I've been through, son. Right. So right, and you, and you took him down. You took AOL down. I mean, yeah. I'm mad that AOL had nothing to pay. They just had to stop. Like there was no restitution yeah, to no. any of these. I mean, you know. And again, how about paying me back? But right. Right. This for starters. I mean, you couldn't begin. Yeah, it would be a real thorny thing to go through and start identifying people and whatever because, 
you know, now I have, I mean, a, a lot of those people, a lot of those kids were never identified. I don't know what the FBI did with this stuff, but it was very weird having them show up at my house and I got this Guatemalan wall hanging with like, you know, 300 pins on it and 200 of them have like a red fist on it and and the FBI agents are like harumph you know and it's like what I'm on your side I've done something you got you know why don't you do you know too bad you weren't doing your job right I uh, did your job for you here here's all the evidence so uh, they you know but then they very strictly admonished me to not uh, do that work anymore and I was, it was such a relief you know, they well, laughed, it, it, they it, laughed it, and I broke down. I hadn't, and I never did the whole time I was doing it. I closed the door and it just hit me like, God, I don't have to look at it anymore. I don't have to deal Cause with it. Because, like, emotionally, doesn't that, like, you're exposed? Well, I mean, Aren't but, you re traumatizing yeah, yourself? But, and you but, yeah, and everyone was worried about that, but it was like, what's, you know, what's the bigger risk? I have to be able to live with myself. You know, I'd rather risk the world's disdain to be guaranteed of my own self loathing. And and this stuff, I knew what was going on. I had to live with myself, Richard. You know, I, and 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 the people are going like, people are going like, Can, are you okay to do this? And it's like, when I wouldn't have been okay is if I didn't do it, because it was like I opened this door and saw hundreds of children being raped, raped. Ugh. You know, and, and basically, you know, I mean, it was one by one, but it was still like knowing about hundreds of kids getting raped and then re offended but through the distribution of this stuff and I mean, when you start just figuring out the impact of all it's unbelievable and so i could have either just pulled the door shut oops go that got nothing to do with it <laughs> and walked away nervously or said something about it and no one else was saying anything about it so i had to live with myself i would have been i'd be dead now if i hadn't spoken up so that i made the right decision it's right. not any sort of selfish thing i was saving myself by doing that there's no i mean nobody special there right you know? right wow. smart enough to figure that out maybe that's all wow i mean that's quite a journey for yourself just to well, i mean it's go, tough but yeah. that's that's definitely but a journey. Here's you the can thing. use the they word make their, They make their worst enemies. They make their own worst enemies because I knew how to operate in a state of shock. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So I was in a state of shock. Uh, I was in a state of shock when I was watching this stuff, you know, when I was seeing what was going on here. And, and, uh, um, I'm going back into it now. But listen, we can cut that. Right, I was, right. in, but I mean, I was in a state of shock. And but I know how to operate in a state of shock because I had been my whole life. I had right. been since I was right. a little kid. Right. So, so they make their own worst enemies. That's what they did. And uh, I mean, as far as the rest of it's concerned, again, I just I don't know how anybody could have seen what I saw, known about what I knew, and not done something about it. It wasn't some. It wasn't me being chicken little. It wasn't me being, you know, a panicked. But I mean, like, and any, I mean, you know, what I say about child pornography is I wish everyone could see it. I wish no one could see it. Because if everyone, I mean, when you make that, you know, and so many people have contacted me who were exploited in that way when they were kids. And they're all like, well, and they're giving me these details about the, you know, their abuse and the, where they were photographed. And I have to say to each one of them, listen, people like me that see it, they just see you. 
They just see this poor little soul that you want to do anything you can to help. And the other, the other, you know, horrible sexually, sex crime thing that's going on is like, you know, you just know what's going on, but that's not, where's this kid? What can we do? And how can we stop this other person? You know, and, and but then the other thing is the people who are consuming this would never identify you as an adult because they don't think in terms of adults. They think in terms of kids. That's who they're targeting. That's who they're, that's who they're going after. But, you know, we need to uh, uh, make this... Everybody should be on the same side with this kind of stuff. You know, everybody should. And anything that's sort of dividing and conquering us is really, that's really a mistake. I, people will say to me, hey, some Republican will be caught doing something, you know, they're abusing kids. And I go, see, this is all the Republicans. And it's like, man, I can show you. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with your politics. Right. You know, right. People so, perpetuate uh, crimes in all parties. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like if you're looking to gain ground there or make gain some edge with that. Right. No. You know, you got a problem. It's about me. the children. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all it's about. about it's about the kids. It's about the parties. And people kept asking me, are you OK? Can you do this? Are you OK? And I kept saying, you know, I'm concerned about the kids in these photos. Right, you know, but it's also I mean, but it also triggers for you. I mean, it's oh, in I a know, way, know, it's a justice for you. I know that. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I think yeah, it may yeah, have well, and, and that was a something big part for of the you because you sure. could go back to your because, own kid again. You know, they kids. raped the wrong kid that day. You know, I lived. Right, you fucked up. I lived. Right, and all these other all these other kids out there that you helped by doing what you did. And guess what? I didn't have to live your life. I had a hard life at times because it started with this stuff. But. There's always been elements of good in it. I never, you know, they couldn't extinguish the light in me. And I think that's what happens with any sort of abuse of people is they're really just trying to put that light out in you. And I'm not saying that in some religious way or anything, but I just feel like that we all have like a, something inside of us that's just sort of, a, it's our spirit, whatever it is, you know. Right. And without any other dogma attached to it, that's probably dogmatic enough, but that's, you know, well, there's something in us. I mean, there's something yeah. in you that you're here. Yeah. You're doing what you do now. You get on stage. And I saw you last night, and yeah. you like tore up the room. Yeah. It, but you were you had a mission. You weren't just doing some, you know, jokes. Yeah, survive, <laughs> right? <laughs> Trying to figure out between having a new special out that a lot of people have seen, then having this election break the way it did, and so on and so forth. Trying to figure out, you know, like so. There's a big turnover in my act at that moment, you know. Right. Like, so I have to try to kind of find my way. So, so a lot of that last night was just, you know, I do like the joke, but you know, you know, you're in trouble when the New York cops are smiling. <laughs> <laughs> like happy New York cops. Uh oh. What happened? New York cops are happy. Yeah, they're they're whistling zippity doo dah. Oh shit, we are screwed. <laughs> so. And on the positive side, though, I, that, that thorn hasn't stuck in my foot in a while now. Well, that's good. There's something to focus on. Yeah, well, I probably got it buried far enough. This is the thorn, right? Oh my god. So. Uh, so then, so now the you're kitchen. touring. You're now, now you, now that you've dropped that, Louis C.K. is. Yeah. Your special is out. Yeah. So now, how can people find you? I mean, it's uh, not going to well, be a child abuse tour. Add Crimmins on. Uh, I'll have the link on it here for yeah, Barry yeah, Crimmins. At Crimmins. Or I, I haven't updated the... But I'm going to go out and do a bunch of dates with Metzger all over 
Yeah, you and Kurt Metzger. Yeah, yeah, North America. That's great. Which is humorous, yeah, in and of itself. Uh, (laughs) But... Well, it's a real odd couple. So. Right, right, yeah. right. So uh, it's perfect. I think it's like a nice broad spectrum. People yeah, come. yeah, they're gonna get yeah. a wide buffet um, of uh, material. Oh, he's a very talented uh, comic. He's great. Oh, here you go. Oh, you Look at, well, here it is. It's permanent. Oh my God! There's this extension of yeah, 19, 1890s no. wood is sticking out of the ground. Oh, now I got to see. I think it might even be metal. What's going on? It's a metal. Oh my God! It's a. That's what I was getting. You were getting. Oh God! Look at this. The perpetrator. All you found All right. Oh, yes. Dun dun dun. The whole time. All right. Getting well, you know, uh, I think that uh, you know we've gone longer than the average Fidel Castro speech here. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably camping. the heaviest. Yeah podcast interview i've done this is a heavy topic this is not a typical so comedian's dream i topic. know i know you know and then i that's when i discovered seltzer bottles <laughs> <laughs> that's when i started making my own seltzer at home yeah, and that's now right. my life is Oof, different I forget. <laughs> then well but then i really think getting to the pies your custards your whatever. right now we're going to talk about crust gluten-free yeah, crust right, almond crust right right because you never know i remember i felt bad for a lot of those people in those three stooges shorts who might have not been you know had a hard time with gluten oh god <clears throat> barry um what are the what are uh like let's i want to close on a on a on a uh, something Zip a little do that. Zip- yeah yeah sure but there's like, plenty what? but i mean look at i'm here I'm alive. I made it this far. Do you know how much fun I have? I got to be friends with Kevin Meany for 36 years. He's a confidant, you know, and a pal, an ally, you know, and, 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 and Stephen Wright and just like so many other people, you know, and I did like uh, Noam Chomsky and Howard Zinn have handed me awards while I sat next to Maya Angelou and a bunch of stuff happened. You know, I've been—I haven't been that commercially successful, but I wouldn't have been able to do any of that other stuff. Right. Tour with Jackson, this different thing. You know, if I hadn't uh, kind of decided that I was going to do comedy of the big target, take on uh, entities that could really screw with me if they wanted to. Right. Uh, right. If they you know knew what I was up to, as opposed to dumping on some poor person with a shitty job somewhere, so it's fun. I mean, and part of it is too. I just got to get, I got to show people that it's not just always this grim duty being progressive, but it's fun. You can have a good time. It's fun taking down hypocrites and bigots, and you know, and 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 people who believe violence is a solution people i mean this country for god's sakes vengeance you know vengeance is like you know vengeance is for morons and bad screenwriters you know like this <laughs> you know like how many shitty movies have you sat through where you knew how it was going to end it right at the beginning when the bad guy kills the family or whatever right, it's like right. one that you know that's a crappy formula to live by right and man and I, by the way i hope everybody you know Everybody who watches watches reality shows, I hope you're happy now. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching yeah, all that reality scab TV. TV. You know, no writers, no you know, you know, no actors, no just people like you know. I mean, you know, now it's just humiliate yourself to be on. You know, right? Welcome you... to piss on yourself, the game show where 
where Americans from around the country piss on themselves right. for a chance to go to Hollywood and be pissed on by a genuine Hollywood producer. Right. You know? right. Piss on yourself. Destroy your soul That's one right. episode at a time. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, so, I mean, I just think that, you know, we should just maybe be a little more thoughtful about what we consume, what we spend our time on, yeah. what we do stuff for. And part of that is going back to that thing of listening to people and being kind enough to... You know, it's probably like like when I'm staying at your I'm at your house and and you know and I ask all these questions like the stupid old straight guy, but in a way, but it's because I want to know like what's the you know what's going I want to know your you know what's the deal how's this work you know and it's and I maybe I seem like a complete fucking idiot, but <laughs> you know I'm a sincere idiot who cares about people and you know and and I mean to better take your part again. To be whatever threatens you, you know, to know a little more info is is great. And I mean, the thing I noticed we were out last night doing a I was doing a show, and we go out for some vegan pizza afterwards, and <laughs> and I gotta throw away the plate and the whatever and all the debris they give you when you order one piece of pizza. And 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 you knew the place, and I didn't. And the garbage can was a little hidden, and you go. And rather than say, oh, the garbage goes there, you're, you were too kind for that. So you just, you had a little kind of rolled up tiny piece of straw, paper that were straws wrapped in or something. And you took like a very, very, very by the way, as a basketball fan, a nice arcing <laughs> shot that went, in, and it clearly was like a big arrow that went, here's where it goes, Barry, without you turning around going, moron, put, the, put it there, you know. And it was just like, it's just so dear. You know, so I commented on that, and then later I'm thinking, like, does he think I'm a complete asshole for even saying that? But it's just the <laughs> kindness. But there's a kindness in the gay community that, that like, guys aren't supposed to be, you know, like... Helpful. Hey, yeah, Don't right. fucking help yeah, the other yeah, dude, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure it out. So, so uh, <laughs> I mean, that just really touched me, though. It was like, in a, and plus, and then you didn't know the sports part, but it's like the perfect arc, and who's like... I mean, you, you really <laughs> demonstrated it. But probably if I told you, oh, it's like basketball, you would go like, oh, no. And, you know, but, the, but this is like, oh, I'm demonstrating this. And now suddenly you could make a thousand free throws in a row with that form. It was fucking tremendous. You I was know? accidentally and, athletic. I, was I just went like that. And you just killed me. It was just so thanks. Thanks. And I managed to get rid of the debris. Thanks to you. <laughs> he still got back mm -hmm. in one piece. Well, Barry, uh, you know, it's been great to hear this story. I mean, it's probably the heaviest story I've covered so far in the podcast, well, but okay. it's so important. I mean, I think as comics, we come from pain and transform sure, it. We, I mean, often, we often do. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Not everyone has this specific story, but I don't know. Mm, what, drives, what drives me to I do sure comedy is as a survivor. Yeah. You know, we all have surviving well, you know, yeah, i mean and people see my story and then they always have to say some qualify well what happened to me was nothing like and then they tell you this heartbreaking story it's like no he hasn't no uh, first of all matters the needles in the red you you know your social contract has been basically voided and you have to figure it out you know on you're kind of dropped off without a compass in the middle of the alps good luck right you know so right. uh well, you know, was and, and you found your way and right. i'll tell you what it's great to know you and, and it's amazing that uh you know kevin knew we would both be pretty sad and lonely so he left a lot of uh you know i think he knew everybody you know so 
it's nice. I'm in touch with several people just from going to the memorial service, right, but right. none better than you. And you know, and and you've been incredibly kind and decent. And I knew that would be the case because you were tight with that crazy bastard, <laughs> who whose big secret was he did care. Right. Yeah, he cared a lot. Right. And uh, right. So sweet. I mean, one thing that touched me about you, Barry, we were sitting, and this is only within a, maybe like a half hour, hour of sitting down. You just, you, something about, you mentioned that when you go on the road, like after Orlando. Oh, yeah. I yeah. fucking cried. Uh, I cried. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm also already open from the funeral. Right. But you said you go to gay bars now. As well, a straight man, uh, yeah, you just I'll go, go to gay have bars. have a beer, and, you know. I go and have a beer. I don't hang around, on, you know. But I mean, I go and have a, I mean, I don't spend the whole night. Well, I I've often had more than one beer, but I go in to have a beer since Orlando because I realize that people have to risk their lives to be with people they care about. I can do no less. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I just I wept. You said it. it to me. I just started, you know, at Kevin's funeral. <laughs> yeah. He's a man who came out late in life yeah. because of the struggle, the oppression yeah. of against gay people. And, and just to hear you say that, I was just like, well, you know, so when I go to various cities, I'll, I'll try and find out where the, you know, and, you know, I know I'm getting somewhere with my, like, well, I got to make it clear. I'm not, you know, like when I was younger, that would be that. Like, right, you know, right. I still sure would have been I'm way straight. ahead of the pack, but I still would have been like, well, no, I'm a, here's what I'm doing. It's just like, you know, I just go, is there a gay bar around here? And, you know, and once in a while, you know, who always gets you to the best places, the nice guy, the, the, the room clerk. Right, right, right. A lot right. of good people at hotels. Right, right. They, they all know. seem to know for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. But, you know, and I go in and have a beer, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's, you it's know. It's like a solidarity I, beer. Yeah, yeah. That's and so it, sweet. That's, that, uh, but that's I'm, just Well, great. it's just like, you know, you got to risk your life to go out to be with your friends. You know, the least I can do is, is walk in there too. Just, you know. That's very touching. And, and not tell anybody either. Right, right. You know, it's like a, a yeah. club. I can't think of the word mikvah, not mitzvah. Mitzvah, mitzvah, mikvah, yeah. tank. Yeah. Sorry, whoops. Yeah. The Jewish people out there are like, oh, wow. But a mitzvah, it's like a, it's a blessing that no one needs to know about. But you do it because of of the goodness. Yeah, I mean, it's just and plus, I, you know what? I met some nice people and I found out info about towns. I, I mean, it turns out again, right. it's like. Now you're going to like a play, you know, you're going to wear like the concierges drink. Right. You know, right, like exactly. everybody knows everything. Right, like, right. They run the fucking town. Right, know? right, yeah, right. So. I love when you came in and you're like, wow, this is, your house is not, this is, you know, it's better to stay with gay guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys, I mean, the paint job is tight. <laughs> colors aren't drab. They're right, like, right. well, these colors are cheerful. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the Northeast. I'm a straight man. Oh, it's cheerful colors. Well, wow, look at the light. Kind bright of and cheery and happy. Yeah. So <laughs> so thanks for having me both on the podcast and at your house. Of course. Anytime. This is your comedy condo. This is Kevin's. Oh. This was always a, a standing offer to Kevin. He never stayed. I mean, we knew him and we'd hang out and whatever, but he always, he'd be doing his thing, you know. Well, I think he would be. I mean, you know, this stuff where everybody starts speaking for them when they're gone. But I, I knew that guy pretty well. I think he'd be really happy that we were here. Yeah. Doing this and uh, yeah. Well, he mentioned you when I interviewed you on the podcast, and I never yeah. traced tracked you down. I thought just yeah. one of the other people he's mentioned that I should uh, meet. he's. Uh, you know, it's funny. So many of these people are like I have the very, in particular, comedy other headliners. 
It's this caste system. So your relationship with them has as much to do with phone calls and whatever, uh, you know, di communicating from a distance because you only you don't have two headliners on a show. Right. So I mean, unless you're in New York or L.A. or Boston, a little to a lesser extent, or San Francisco, uh, you're you know you don't see, run into these people. Right. They're your friends. Right. So you just made so I mean so Kevin and I just talked on the phone all all the time. Yeah. And you know, and I mean the fight he had. I just, I mean show the amount he gave to show business he didn't get back. Right. What he deserved, you know, he still had an amazing career, and will live forever. He's immortal now, but, you know. Jesus, someone just gave him a bigger chance on Broadway or, you know, a couple of, I mean, God, and, 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 you know, how many sitcoms would benefit from any number of characters he could play or right. whatever, but right. I mean, he should have been set and covered the amount of talent that he had. Right. And, you know, he just cheerfully went out and slugged it out, kept, right. kept trying and kept producing stuff, doing brilliant, hilarious stuff. You right. Know, Henriette and stuff. I mean, just amazing. Uh, he just was a great example, and you know he didn't uh, get in his own way. He just kept pushing on, and he was, of course, he was so devoted to, to Kate, and I think his continuing relationship with Marianne was a tribute to him. Right, too. So right. It was, it was beautiful a, that the way they still maintain yeah. that unit. Yeah. And yeah. it's modern in its modern uh, yeah. structure. And I, you know, and I felt very honored that you know. I mean, all these people kept telling me, because again, I wouldn't be like Kevin and I were just talked all the time, you know. And we had a long period in Boston, but right. we just talked all the time. And all these people, it's very nice. But everyone at the funeral was just kept saying, "Oh, Kevin really loved you." Like, yeah, I right. know that he was one of my, you know, right, like, right. I knew him longer than you did. <laughs> Right, you know, I mean, right, I right, right. For, I, like by like thirty-two years. Right, know, so right. I, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm good. But you're kind. But they're being kind. Right, right. He always spoke well of you. You know. Right. Uh, but you know, we went through some crap in Boston where he wasn't out, and people were trying to out him, and I didn't know he was gay, and I just said, didn't say anything to me. What the difference does it make? You know. Uh, you know. But leave him alone. You. They were trying to hurt him. Right. Well, he was also becoming successful, and people yeah, were jealous. Uh, yeah, right. So and it was a thing so, to, to bring someone so, down. So, I mean, I didn't realize... Well, first off, I didn't know he was gay. But secondly, thank God when I defended him, I didn't go, you can't call him a faggot. You know, I was, like, sticking up for him without for who being he was, homophobic. No, right, right. You know? Just for and, as another being. And Kevin, years later, says to me, well, you don't understand. That was the dearest part about the whole thing, is you defended me without without denouncing gay people you were like sticking up for gay people and defending me whatever my choice may be and by the way it's none of your business you know and kevin's my friend and he hasn't told me he's gay and he was involved you know i mean and this is early this is in the 80s this yeah, is huge yeah, right 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 it's huge. right right i mean to stand up in those days was like yeah i know danger well believe me i know uh but uh you know, to, to get that degree of loyalty and love out, I mean, like, he, the, 
you know, the amount of times he thanked me for just behaving like a decent human being, you know, <laughs> but it made me just realize how that's that, uh, you know, that shouldn't be such a rare right. approach. To but things. that's how hard it is, how hard it was then. And still now people and, to just and, stand and, up and be and, decent. And I had, and Kevin also was sensitive enough to say, and you have more to sort out than most people. Right. You know, you're the victim of male on male, you know, rape as a child. You could be, I would have put up with it if you were a raving homophobe, you know, at least for a while. And then look, maybe someday hope you came around a little bit, you know. Right. But it's for whatever reasons, and that's part of the reason the thing's called Call Me Lucky, I became an empath rather than a, you know, someone who think, there's so many people who think that, you know, uh, you're licensed to become what you resist, you know. Well, you treated me like a fascist, so I get to be a fascist towards these other people. What? No, you don't. You right, know, right. so you can transform that. Uh, uh, you know, the real reward is in never is in maintaining your decency and having things and using whatever you've been through to be able to relate to and, and care about others. So in that way, I mean, I've always been sort of a tuning fork for agony. And man, you know, being my age. I think about the gay guys my age. They, those guys, there's nobody that's been through a war, anything. You know, I the, I could think. I mean, you know, I mean, this side of like the Holocaust, right? Or being in a, you know, American Indian or something. But the uh, the amount of people lost in the '80s, right? To think of. If I lost that high a percentage of all my dear friends, I mean, I, I just, I don't ever know. I have this inarticulate, inarticulated desire to like, can't we, this some way has to be acknowledged, you know, the collective pain that all those guys felt, the amount, you know, I mean, there's people, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I, Half the gay guys from back then still, I don't think so. Right, right. You know, that's, you know, that we just sort of gloss over and move along from that. No, the impact of that. And, the, and then you think of the collective loss, all the creativity, all the, you know, just wit and talent. Right. I mean, you know, uh, and whatever else. I mean, you know. I don't care if they were going to be an insurance salesman. You know, right, they lost right. that guy. But the collective loss there, my God, I mean, it was just like a Adam Bond. And I lived through it and sort of noticed it and tried to help a bit. But, I mean, as I get older, it re you know, you just get more context for things. You get a longer view of things. And, my God, what happened to those, you know, what happened to gay men in this country in particular but the world but in, you know they just you know people you just those things where you know the, how many funerals can you go to a day right you know right and we haven't we'll know we're more civilized we're getting somewhere when when we have something that formally acknowledges that because there's just there's not I don't think there's anything in this country in my lifetime that that compares to that, right. you know, that, right. that, 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 you know, it's that thoroughly tragic, right. you know, right. 
another reason to hate Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, I must continue to lie about this sensitive matter. Right. I now have him blowing the Waffen SS in hell for perpetuity. Thank God Nancy taught me that trick with Frank Sinatra's scrotum. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's the spot on Reagan with a little scrotum. Yeah, yeah. Sinatra's a dooby dooby doe. Okay, sweetie, go give Frank, uh, go give Ronnie a smooch for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. This is Lenny versus like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's kind of. All right. Very. This has been quite. Quite the interview. Yes. I'm so thankful for you joining me I think today. This is probably a two parter. Right. This will be like this. Well, it's almost two hours. Mm-hmm. But I so thankful you're here and what you've done and what you have yet to do. Uh, and yeah. you'll, people can tune in and go to WTYPod.com. I'll have all the links. I'll have the yeah. links as well for all the yeah, information. The best place to follow me these days is Twitter. It's the easiest, yeah. and that'll lead you to whatever else I'm doing. But, uh, you know, I'll be somewhere near you probably pretty soon, folks out You'll there. You'll be everywhere. All, yeah, You're going to be all over this. I've got a lot of dates. Yeah. I've got about 20 dates coming up between now and February. I just got back from London and Dublin. I might be doing Oslo. So, wow. Yeah. Nice. So Dip into that health care. Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to see Oslo in January. Oh, my God. <laughs> like a miner's helmet. Right. And so. you'll need, like... Uh, yeah, to bring your own heat source, yeah. you have to bring. Yeah, you know, and I yeah, because they're probably burning animals to stay warm, <laughs> blubber or something. I can't do that. Whale <laughs> you know, oil. They yeah, still use whale yeah, oil. I, know. I need. I need. Vegan. I vegan, need vegan whale oil. Heat. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I suppose regular oil isn't vegan either, now, is it? Well, I guess regular oil isn't because it's Dinosaurs. from decayed materials yeah, of plant and animal. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, well, Barry, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Rich. It's been a lot of fun. I know it seems heavy and weird, but I, you know. Well, I am thankful for the heavy, weird, and all the journey that is Barry Crimmins. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And, man, you know what? If if anybody wants to come out and see me, that's great, whatever. But I'll tell you what, get on YouTube and go just, just follow Kevin Meany. Follow his stuff find his stuff you just want to see the greatest comic ever just go check out our our dear departed pal and uh let's let's leave it at that thank you so much barry okay actual handshake actual handshake It's a comedy journey.